This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. 26 minutes past 6am this morning, we're talking Rugby Australia. Hamish McLennigan, the chairman, uh, firing some shots again. He's tripled down, he's tightened the screws on this one. He thinks that Rugby Australia can go alone and have three to five more sides relatively easily. Joe is in Gizzy, and if anybody gets his BS detector out at 6am, it's Joe. What do you got for us, Joe? Good morning, morning, gentlemen. Morning. Morning. Um, yeah. In Australia, and that, that's been their problem for the last probably 10, 12 years. You know, they let their players go to overseas and draw them back for their international side. For the, so, what you're finding now is any single one of those sides that play in Australia got three or four Kiwi boys, guys who don't make it here, pop over there, make it. I mean, the fact that Jeremy Thrush is still playing, Jesus. I think he's like 47. But, um, you know, Kahui's running around over there in a wheelchair and they've still got him going on the wing. But uh, but what you find is that they had a side out in Perth, remember? And they had a multimillionaire boy who owned the mines. Yeah, Twiggy Forest. That's right. And they pulled him out and they said, no, we don't want that, we don't want that. So he went on his own. Okay, so they had disruption within their ranks already. What are you finding? Is that, the, yeah, the depth issue. I mean, they're the fifth sport in Australia, you know, AFL cricket, NRL, uh, Surf Life Savings got more money than those guys, and then they, then, then they pop up. But what you find is that if they wanted to go on their own, it would really be disappointing because when we had the New Zealand-only competition, you know, with the COVID issue, what did we find? Our guys got beat up every day. Now, we had more injuries because our competition is a lot more physical. I think, uh, and, and in the end, when the Aussies came back, you know, New South Wales touched up the Crusaders, and that young first five broke down crying. Well, he's not breaking down crying playing the playing the Brumbies. Very good he's not point. breaking down crying when they when they touch up Queensland. And what you find is the crowds came back. You know, they went to Leichhardt, you know, the, the, the home of the Tigers. I mean, the Tigers couldn't, you know, hey, you, you couldn't pay someone to go watch the Tigers at the moment. But they went to Leichhardt and sold out 14,000. Brought back, you know, rugby in those in those provinces Right in those small stand, in those small uh, arenas, but he's firing shots. Good on him. I mean, they get 36 million from Stan, their provider. We get 101 million. Right. Listen, we maybe need to be the bigger, bigger partner here and and open up and say, right, yeah, we do need them because we do need the Australians in our competition. 
you know, and, and what we found is that we thought three years ago when we went and played them, touched them all up, they couldn't beat us. Well, this time round, you know, they touched us up and they got better and they got a little bit more depth. And so what we need to find, they can't find another five teams. Yeah, three to five teams. Hey, Joe, that's a, that's a joke, Kempe. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, because there's a real correlation here and he touched on it about, you know, look at the NRL, they, they've got all these teams and they can do it, you know, it's not that far away. Well, guess what? In New Zealand, we're talking about another NRL licence, all right? We're not talking about five NRL licences. We, we wouldn't fill five NRL teams. And you look at the pathways of rugby, a lot of those boys ain't just going to leave rugby to come and play rugby league. So the correlation of what he's talking is actually sitting on his back set here and um, back step here in New Zealand if he looks at it uh, in that context. And the other thing about it, it actually does look like the NRL if he does not play a competition because what the New Zealand... I guarantee you Robbo's thinking about this. They go back to an NPC um, situation. They spread the players about them. They make it more professional. They put more money into it. And the Australian players that can't play in a competition end up coming playing for us. And they fool the team. And the NRL system then becomes the NZRU system in an NPC structure. So, mate, he's got plenty to lose this guy if he doesn't, um, if in, like any of the stuff that he has doesn't come to fruition. Oh, 800 If you've got anything more to add, come through on that number. There's a couple of great texts here we'll get to in a second. Joe, appreciate your call. Passionate as always. Chat to you on the mail run Saturday, mate. Give me another filthy moral. That's what I want for my weekend. It is half past six. It's Aroha with the News for Kubota, together with Shaping and Building New Zealand. Fence with Tony Kemp. Yeah, Louie, today I want to give a big shout-out to all the high-performing New Zealand coaches that are at the top of their game on the world stage. Man, we're so lucky to have so many good people out there. And let's just take a look at three of them. First up, Baz McCullum. Man, who would have thought that our man Baz would be coaching the Palms with a Kiwi captain to boot? Not only that, but he would demonstrate to an underperforming English Rose how to blossom in the sun at Lords and Trent Brooch. Good on him, my man Baz. Well done. Headingly is going to be a thriller. And I've got to take my hat off to Razor Ray. The king of super rugby as a player and now as a coach. Ray has the firm, is the firm's favourite to take the reins of the All Blacks. Come their next hook or we post the 2023 World Cup and why wouldn't he? Can play, can coach, and man can he break dance. Razor. Razor Ray. <laughs> yeah, love that. But the coach that I think is arguably our best coach in New Zealand is Dame Nolene Tūrua. As the Silver Ferns prepare for their next outing, Dame Nolene is the equivalent of Steven Spielberg turning the humble Kiwi players into Optimus Prime on her way to Commonwealth glory. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Yeah, absolutely, Kemp. We've got some superstars out there. Double eight, double three, oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. If you're putting the list together of current champion New Zealand coaches performing at the elite level. Who goes to it? Who's on there? Where are they around the world? What sport? Anything? Come on! I want to. I want to get a little bit weird. Here's one for you, Kimpy. Chris Waller. Oh, of course. I can't wait till New Zealand recognises racing as a sport. Oh. It becomes a high performance sport, um, uh, like actual sport, and and Chris Waller becomes, uh, I guess, the best coach in New Zealand. He is coaching athletes, isn't he? Off to get a couple of McCafe coffees. He 100% is, Kempe. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together with Shaping and Building New Zealand. We're going to talk Matariki after this. I love that. Chris Waller.
Coach of the Year. S-E-N-Z. Well, we've had public holidays in New Zealand for all sorts of different celebrations, and for a lot of people, it's just a day off from work to chill with whānau. Um, but for some, the connection is much more than that. On Friday, we observe Mātiriki as a public holiday as a nation for the first time. Māori will get their chance to have their identity reflected in that form. And to get to this point, man, it's been a journey. It's taken more than, uh, oh, what, a thousand years, I guess, uh, to actually get it celebrated as a day off uh, in Aotearoa. And we're so lucky to have Professor Rangi Matamua in uh, this conversation with us today. Morena. Morena ehoa. Morena, morena. Um, I guess I'm going to start by just asking the simple question. Can you just explain to our listeners what Matariki means to you? Well, uh, well I suppose Matariki, you know, is is most identifiable as the star cluster Pleiades. And um, right at this moment, we're in the moment where it is returning to the eastern sky and rising and is visible just before the appearance of the sun. So it is a marker of our new year. It is a marker of the most important and biggest traditional celebration in the traditional Māori calendar system. Uh, it is also part of our identity here. You know, we celebrate some funny things if you think about it, like we celebrate flying reindeer and snow in the middle of summer, and then we'll <laughs> celebrate, you know, a, a 20-foot rabbit that lays chocolate eggs and stuff. Um, but this is something that is unique to us and where we are. It's um, part of this landscape and um, I honestly believe part of everyone that's here. Um, and for me, I think that's the wider meaning of Matariki. Oh, kia ora. Rangi Louie here, man. It's awesome to have you on the show. Just um, look, as a Pakeha New Zealander, I guess I've always been aware of Matariki, but never really understood its significance to me. And I think just taking time this week to kind of learn and, and wonder and have a, a bit of a, a think about that's been it's been quite enlightening, to be honest. But yourself, you've been described as the superstar of Matariki, the Matariki man, <laughs> all of that good stuff, bro. But when did you actually, where did the information or where did, the, where did it even start for you? Was your whānau interested in it, or how did it come about? Yeah, kia ora, Louis, and hey, um, I'm so happy that, that you're part of this conversation and part of the learning. I, I just want to say, before I talk about you know, my background in it, is that um, every single culture in the world acknowledged the Pleiades or Matariki. You know, there's a 17,000-year-old cave painting of the Pleiades in southern France. It's the earliest and most well-recorded group of stars in the night sky. It's Subaru in Japan and the Blossom Stars in China and uh, Freya's Hens and Chicks in, in Europe and every single culture around the world use those stars to either mark celebration or change a season or New Year or when to plant or when to hunt. So it's not as if everyone from who is here now doesn't have a connection to that group of stars historically, and I think that's its power is the fact that it transcends politics or, you know, uh, difficult issues or, or, or even culture because it belongs to all of us. No one owns them. And um, for me, you know, I descend from a family that has a history of um, of Māori astronomy. My ancestor in the late uh, 1800s wrote a manuscript, 400 pages of star lore, which he um, handed to his son, who handed it to uh, my grandfather, his grandson. 
And in the uh, mid-1990s, um, he gave it to me uh, and sent me on a journey to share traditional Māori astronomical knowledge. So, you know, I'm just blessed to be able to be involved in the space and to really support uh, the rollout of the holiday. And that's the really key part for me, Rangi, is the tohunga um, that you have become in and around the expert and letting us know exactly what the stars mean uh, through Māori. Then just take us through that that journey, like you know the waka that came down, uh, navigating through the stars and how we look to plant, um, even to to grow our families. Just give us some of the 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 stars and the and the meanings of those stars to to most our most of our people. Yeah, so you know um, stars have guided people, humans throughout our history. You know. And we've looked to the stars to tell time, um, to know when to plant and when to harvest and uh, when we should be resting, when we should be celebrating. They're markers of time and markers of event. And um, they were also deity and connected to different parts of our world. And so right across Polynesia, right across the Pacific, um, the stars and Matariki, and that's their most common name from Easter Island to New Caledonia, um, right across Tahiti and Samoa and Rarotonga, they are Matariki. And when our ancestors got here, they realized, you know, we're pretty south, or, uh, pretty, a bit colder, but those stars disappear from view. They sit next to the sun in the west, um, just as winter's beginning, and then right in the middle of winter, right where we are around the shortest day, they reappear just before the sun in the eastern sky. Now, like, okay, so we can apply this to the shortest day or our new year. So, that's how they applied it here, and it just sparked off this massive celebration of feasting and um, entertainment and, you know, people just hanging out, spending time together across this period, across this, you know, this uh, last quarter of the lunar phase period, which is about an eight-day period. So we're right in that now. So, you know, it's a time when we're meant to get fat, fatter for me, um, meant to eat, <laughs> meant to celebrate, and the different stars in the cluster are connected to different parts of the environment. So there's one that's connected to our dead of the year, and we farewell our dead, who are all the people that have passed during this time. One is connected to the earth. One is connected to the forest and the birds. One is fresh water. One is salt water. One is rain. One is wind. And one is uh, our wishes of the year. And all of these stars circle around the central star, which is Matariki, who is the mother and is associated to well-being and goodwill and peace across the earth. And those are the kind of connections that, you know, we see uh, uh, when Matariki rises at this time. Yeah, wow. It's uh, it's, it's fine-tingling stuff when you hear it like that and you just hear the kind of origins of it. Arangi, hey, on the process of it, the public holiday side of things, now, was this something you personally knew you wanted to help achieve, or did somebody introduce the idea of the public holiday being tied to Matariki to you? Oh, sorry, can you repeat that again? It just kind of cut in and cut out a little bit, Ben. No, you're all right, you're all right. Hey, I was just wondering, the public holiday side of it, did somebody introduce that concept to you that let's put a public holiday to Matariki, or is this something you've always been personally passionate about? <laughs> That has been happening for a long time, um, people working in the space and asking for it to be a national holiday. I never thought it would happen, if I'm honest. Not in my lifetime, any time. Uh, anyway, and um, <laughs> when the Prime Minister asked, uh, are we ready? I was like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And Because Matariki isn't really one day off. 
it's actually a period. It's a period of the lunar, kind of the last lunar quarter or the last uh, quarter of the lunar period, which is about eight days. And I did ask for eight days. I said, look, if we're going to do this, can we have it properly? Can we have eight days off? <laughs> and um, yeah, no, they laughed at me and we got one day. But hey, that's better than no day. And uh, we've Fridayized it, so it's uh, going to be um, on Fridays as opposed to Mondays. And uh, yeah, just absolutely elated that it's happening. Yeah, and I, look, Rangi, I can see it growing over the over the years as people start to really get to understand exactly what um, what you're talking about. We could talk about this for hours, you know, just go <laughs> over and over stuff. They you are know, talking about our past our people that have passed and the kai that we've had and, you know, how we've grown up and bits and pieces like that. But this is a sports show and we want to ask you something about them. The Māori All Blacks that are playing the Irish. Have you had a think about uh, what Matariki means to the sports person and how that space grows over the years? You know, um, one, one of the things I love about Matariki is the symbolism. And the symbolism is, you know, the different stars, they have their own characteristics and their own identity. You know, they're slightly different in terms of what they stand for, where they're positioned, even their size and their appearance. But in the morning, during the correct lunar phase, exactly right at this moment, they rise as one cluster with one purpose, and that's to um, to really indicate what the year is going to be like and, and lead out the celebration. And I think that that's a good symbolism for our, um, our Māori All Black team. I've got a nephew in the team as well, uh, Terrell Lomax, so I'm very proud of him. And um, I hope that they get the opportunity to express their individuality and their individual um, prowess and, and their skill sets, but they do so as one unit and in, uh, with a collective purpose of of winning the game. <laughs> so I hope that is kind of something that they can pick up on, uh, that symbolism and notion of Matariki about being one cohesive and united unit. Yeah, you should get in there and give the team speech, I think, uh, just before they run out <laughs> against the Irish. They, they are going to take that into the game, and I'm dead set sure they're going to win it. Uh, we've got something in common. Uh, I played with Johnny and David Lomax and, and softball with the whole whanau uh, way back in the day back down in Wellington. I want to just say thank you very much. Tēnei te mihi ki a koe mō tō mā e pānaki mā tiriki i te atanei. Awesome, awesome kōrero, and we want to Gee, I want to get your number privately so I can come and just sit down and have a beer with you and talk about Matariki over and over again. So thanks a lot for joining us on, on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast this morning, Rangi. Uh, go well, enjoy Matariki. Well, just just before you go, where's the hangi on Friday? Where do I go? <laughs> That's what my you question come, was. You come, down, you come down to Te Papa and we'll feed you a horse. Come okay. down to... Uh, Step up and we'll have a kai and, and absolutely have a beer. I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait. Go well. Thank you. Thank you very much for this morning. Kilda. S E N Z. There you go. Matariki in a nutshell. In essence, can be pretty cool, eh? Oh, it's so good to listen back on that. You know, the the rises won with one purpose for the Māori All Blacks against. Uh, Island when they first run out there in Matariki is going to be awesome. I think it just gave me goosebumps actually when I heard it for the second time. But mentioning the 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 chat with the Prime Minister and getting a day asking for eight, imagine how happy New Zealand would have been if they had eight days off, you know, through that Matariki um, period. But one day it is, and that's tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. You know, he's, he's named, there's a uh, there's my, my daughter did her, her speech. I said that, that yesterday around Matariki being the mother and the stars being the children, 
um, and pulling, you know, talking in that context about what they actually mean. And each one of those stars means something to everybody um, in a different way. And, and I, you know, for me, learning about that last year, I knew that Matariki, in essence, was Māori New Year, but I didn't know exactly what it actually meant to Māori when they would navigate with the stars in and around everything that they did. So when you, when you plant your food, when you go and hunt, um, when you um, are thinking about having children. Like I had a conversation about with one uh, nurse that was, was in the class last year and one lady couldn't get pregnant. And the, the nurse said, well, we follow this, um, these, the stars of Matariki and we think that this is the perfect time for you to try and get pregnant. Well, guess what? The lady got pregnant. And I just think that this, that whole concept for me in and around everything that we do as a being is just so precious. So, mate, to talk to Rangi for me too is like, well, if there was, a, if, there, if you said, if, if there was someone that you wanted to talk to in your life, he'd be in the top 10. Wow, there you go. Thank you, Aroha. Aroha's cousin. That's actually how we got it. No, no credit can be taken from this end of the table. Uh, the Māori All Blacks will actually stake their claim against Ireland Hamilton next Wednesday. It's your first glimpse of the touring nation, the Irish, and the Eden Park test is sold out. So if you're in this part of the island, the North Island, the upper part, and you want tickets, you can go secure your tickets for that game from $15 for the Māori All Blacks game, or... We've got a double eight up pass right now, Kimpy. So you can give us a call on 0800 or text us double eight double three. How will you be celebrating the first version of Matariki as a public holiday? How will you be celebrating it or acknowledging it as your, your family, as your whanau? And we've got two tickets to give away to that Hamilton Māori All Blacks test. I feel like this is a neat way to do it. Double eight double three, temper bed post text machine, or give us a call on the Kennards Higher phone line 0800 after this, we will announce who our reserve loose head is for our ABs 23. And we're going to talk hookers, which is a really interesting one, Kempi, because it's a very deep position. Two guys in particular, Dane Coles and Takiaho, very different parts of their career. Who do you want on the bench? We've got plenty going on this weekend on the racing front. It's winter racing because it's fresh down country, and I bet you it's fresh where we're heading. Uh, with Waikato Stud, uh, the home of got Champion Stallion, Savabu Ocean Park, you know the drill. Also, the new sponsors of the Foxbridge Plate Day, which is really, really cool for Tarapa to be aligned with Waikato Stud. He's an excellent young trainer, Andrew Carston, based down there, and I imagine you would have copped a couple of gnarly frosts over the last wee while down at Rickerton, Andrew? Yeah, good morning, guys. She's very fresh this morning. She'd be minus three or four, I would imagine. Oh, <laughs> yep. And out out there in your shorts and your and your woolly shirt, I guess. I guess, Andrew, it's all pretty normal oh, for yeah. you, blokes, down there. <laughs> yeah, dead right. No, we cop a few of these, but I tell you, with um, one positive with our poly trackers, we can always work the horses. So yeah, very yeah, good result. Great result, mate. Now tell me about Oamaru. How many meets would that you get down there? Maybe what three, four a year? And what sort of track is it? That's where they're heading today. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty good. It's normal. It used to be a pretty good winter track. The last couple of times we've been there, it's been pretty wet. The last couple of years. Uh, we only race during the winter. Um, I'd say there's probably two, possibly three meetings a year, but it's a good surface when it's good. And uh, I think we're going to cop a reasonably firm track today. Uh, they miss quite a lot of the winter weather. So, uh, no, we're looking forward to getting on a good track with a couple that don't mind it. So you're heading down there with a couple in the, the truck, uh, one on the first and then a couple later in the day. Anything that you could signal that would probably appreciate the track and, and go well today? 
Oh, look, they're all there for, the, you know, they like reasonably good footing. Um, I thought Showbaz was probably the best of them for an each-way bet. I uh, hear that uh, the word around is that Terry Racehorse is pretty smart in the same race, so I thought he was definitely an each-way play. Could be a good finale bet for our Showbaz race five. Yeah, nice. Showbaz, that's uh, that's great omen bit for us because we've just been talking about how Baz has revolutionised world in English cricket. So, I only got to uh, hear that one more time. I only got to hear Baz's name one more time <laughs> and I'm on. That's great. I love, well, there was, actually, Andrew Forsman has one spirit of Baz going around. That's a pretty handy stayer as well. There in the you north. go. So, <laughs> there it is. It's just, there's something about it, the name. Now, reckoning on Saturday, you'll cop a heavy track, I'd only assume, uh, for the Greenwood Amberley Cup, but you've got a lightweight chance with Cozzy on it in Yamuna in the Amberley Cup. Uh, is this an each-way play, do you think, Andrew? Yeah, look, I like she's a nice mare. She's going the right way. She's um, but insane there. Like, two starts ago, she was a 65-rated horse. So she jumps to open class. She gets on the minimum. But, um, yeah, she's going really well. I wouldn't get too excited to see the TRB of open. be reasonably sure, which surprises me. Um, but she is a mare that's, you know, consistent and running well, and when mares are in form, they normally hold their form. So, yeah, um, she's definitely each-way play. Hey, Andrew, it's uh, Kempi, mate. Just... Uh, always talking to the North Island trainers up here about what's going on with you know, New Zealand racing and the changes that are happening. How's it all affecting you, and are you liking what you're seeing? Yeah, look, any um, increase in stake money is obviously a bonus to everyone. Um, in the South Island, uh, apart from having the extra $2,000 for our, our industry days, we're not that well off, uh, to be honest. Um, we only get sort of increases at the iconic meetings and premier and we don't have too many premier meetings in the south. And I'll be honest, at Cut Week, it's very hard to win a race when the North Island North Islanders invade. So, um, look, they are positive. Um, any change is positive. And um, I do agree. I do think that NZ Racing is heading the right way. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, that's cool to hear. How have um, you found? Are you? Have you found like it becoming more established now in the, in the South Island? For the size that your stable is at at the moment, are you in a healthy place or are you looking to grow? And would you come north, not bring everything north, but start travelling more horses north for to chase that nice prize money if you can have the horses to run in those races? Oh, look, 100%. I've, I've, I've always said since I started training and I tell my clients if they're good enough, I'm happy to travel. Um, I've been to the north a few times with a little bit of success. Um, I've actually got a run in the feature race at Tauranga on Saturday. Um, so yeah, look, I, I'm more than happy to travel if you're good enough. Um, but you know, as I, there is good prize money here as well. Don't worry. Yeah, awesome. Right, uh, and that's an absolute bonus one. So, what do you got going on in the Team Wheelands Tauranga Classic? I assume it's the Phillies and Mears race that you're talking about. It's uh, oh, there you go. Pull your socks up for go racing. 100. percent Nice. It's yeah. a, it's a real strong field. It's come up for this time of year, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's normally a pretty good race, um, a strong field. But look, she's been going handy enough races, and she's coming to the end of her preparation so we thought we'd roll the dice to uh, possibly get a bit of black type um, she's done well we're happy with her obviously it's a throw at the stumps but um, she's going the right way yeah love it and one that we can follow this weekend down at Rickerton or wherever yeah uh, so Rickerton I've got a what have we got I've got a few runners at Rickerton I do quite like Where's Wally he drops back to rating 65 he's been done two good races this prep and rating 74 so he drops in class he likes to cut in the track and there's one in the last lark of Friday if she gets to 2,000 metres for the first time. If she cops the heavy track, um, I think she's definitely an each-way play. Love it. Nice. Love I knew, it. I knew where, where Wally was last week, mate. He was in the studio here producing the show with all his Canterbury gear on and his hat. Louis, Louis Herman <laughs> Watt. <laughs> but, uh, he, had the good, he had the right hat on too, don't worry. He had the right hat on. You're dead right. You must be happy about that, Crusaders getting the win. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, definitely. Yes. I'm a Canterbury man. Through and through. <laughs> right, team one.
bang on. Andrew Carson, love to catch up, mate. Awesome stuff. Good luck this weekend and today at Omru. Awesome. Thanks, boys. There you go. He's a good young trainer. He's a good chap, Andrew. And um, yeah, Good chat. Yeah. Really good chat. Positive. Oh, vibrant. Isn't it? That's what the, that's what the game needs. And they get, I reckon roll more people like that out, like do ads and, and let people like that talk because he was fantastic. That's Absolutely. What, that's what we're here to do, Kimpy. We're here to pump up the good people in the industry. I know you love it. You're from uh, Heartland, Salt of Earth, New Zealand, and so am I, mate. That's what it's our partnership. It's what we're strength our strength is. Eight and a half away from eight this morning. Tell you what our other strength is. It's uh, supporting the Warriors through thick and thin. And we're gonna play some of your voicemails Can't wait. on the Warriors hotline with Vodafone after this. Let's get the Cyclopses out. Come on, come see us. Uh, or we'll bring them to you actually. Well, this morning uh, we got Joel Kane talking to us out of Australia, all things origin and an international uh, during this international week where a lot of the boys out of the NRL are playing football. Good morning, Joel. Good morning, Kepi. Uh, good morning, your listeners. And good morning to Louie, too, who's behind the scenes. Yeah, Louie, mate, don't worry. He's always crawling around in the back of the scene here. He'll have a few questions for you. Mate, thanks for joining us this morning. I want to talk to you a little bit about origin. We've got... Queensland and New South Wales playing the Sunday in what is, a, I guess, a do-or-die game for Brad Fittler, making a heap of changes. What do you take out of uh, Freddie's changes coming into Game 2? Oh, I love them. Well, I said before the game, uh, the first game, I thought Burton should have been there. The combination, I don't know whether you'll go with it or not, it's a tricky one because the left-hand side last year at the Panthers, which was Luai Burton, Toll. In the last six games for Burton, including the semi-finals of the grand final, they conceded only one try. So for me, that was a bulletproof pick. But the problem now is that you've got Burton who comes into the side, but Toto's been playing right, Super is left, so I wonder whether he changes anything there. But uh, I absolutely love it. And, and the one I've been very public about on SEN here in Sydney is Happy Coruscant. I, I just think, I don't believe that we've seen the very best out of Cleary in his 11 state of origins. He's played well, and, but not the very, very best out of him. And I, I do believe that, you know, at the back of the field, you've got Teddy bouncing around like a pinball, and that's great. You need that. But then you've got Cookie doing the same thing. And I think that Cleary's a bit out of whack. So I think the idea of having Happy Corus out into the team is going to be huge for Cleary. It's also going to be huge for Isaiah Yo. So I'm expecting massive games out of the pair. Yeah, look, well, it's basically a pen with spine. You know, one of the most unluckiest blokes I think that probably will never play Origin is Dylan Edwards, who would fit into any team for me. Do you, do you think that, you know, with the, like you said, the addition of uh, Uppy and, and those those key, they really Penrith um, last year, looks like a Penrith side from last year. Do you think that, that Freddie's gone back to that to go, I really need that stability that Penrith brought to the competition last year to get us across the line? And, and see, this is the hard thing where you, you look at Cookie and you go, okay, well, he hasn't done anything wrong. He actually played really good in game one. But then you've got to go, okay, well, but what are we getting out of Nathan? If we're not getting the best out of Nathan, then unfortunately you've got to make a change. And it's not really Cook's fault. It's just hand-in-glove stuff. And Appy, I just believe Appy will unlock. Uh, well, to give you an idea, Kempi, um, I think if you go back two, two years, the last two or three years, Appy, Yo, Cleary, and Luai as a, as a quartet—they've lost like three or four games, you know. So mm. it, it just works. Um, and if there's a split here between Appy and Cookie, for that reason, I think you've got to go Appy. So look, I'm—I'm I'm actually really, really bullish about the New South Wales side. The other thing that I really like is having Burton in the side. So what happened in Oregon One? The Queensland halves 
combined for 22 kicks. 13 were Daly Cherry Evans, 9 were Munster. So it's sort of a 60-40 balance. In Origin 1, New South Wales also had 22 kicks, but 20 were Nathan Cleary and 2 were Luai. So it just meant that they knew he was going to kick, so they could be very aggressive out of marker and just chase him every single time. What I'd be doing to start the game is I'd just be sending up a massive bomb for Burton to send a message. Right, I used had a very clear target on Cleary in Origin 1. Not every kid's coming from this boy in Origin 2, so good luck. And Because they won the game, really, with... It was a very poor kicking game from Cleary because of the, the, um, the pressure. And as a result, we didn't dominate the field position. So I'd, I'm super, super confident Freddie pulled the right rein here. The only, the only probably one that's getting a lot of questions back here, gentlemen, would be Regan Campbell-Gillard hasn't really done a lot long, uh, a lot wrong. Um, Jake's, you know, numbers, yeah, yeah, he's a good bloke and all that sort of stuff, but did he deserve to be jumped over Regan Campbell-Gillard? Oh, that's a bit of a gamble. Mm, lots of chat about Billy Slater and uh, Kempe floating out the ridiculous thought, Joel, that he, he should coach the Warriors and they should do everything to go after him. But just on Freddie, you said that you like, like these changes. How much capital, professional capital, does Freddie have with the fan base in New South Wales there? And, you know, what's the media like uh, post this these changes he's rolled? Is he still a fan favourite? Uh, well... You could sense in some of the interviews with Brandy, Brandy's taken a lot of the interviews, there is, and then obviously he's part of SEM, uh, there's a lot of frustration because it's just the way in New South Wales, and I don't know another code or where, where the media's just going after the New South Wales team all the time. Like it, like it, it feels like every origin, there's a reason for us to be unhappy about something, and therefore that sort of you know, um, filters through to the public sentiments, but um, all he can do, boys, is block it out and just win the game. That, that, that's all he can possibly do. He's laughed it off to a degree. Um, but you know what? If they lose, they're going to go after him hard. So, um, but I, I, I've just got a really good feeling. I, I think he's done the right thing here. He's got the right players. And I actually think they're going to win pretty comfortably, to be honest. Yeah, I wish I had your uh, your sentiments. I I think it'd be a lot closer, a lot closer than that. Talking about Billy Slater, you know, he's coming his first coaching gig, and he's done something. You know, it's a decent Queensland side, but he's done something about pulling them together. And as that game went on in, in Origin One, they just seemed to get better and better and better. Is there something about Billy Slater that you see, Joel, um, as the you know, I'm thinking maybe the next Craig Bellamy. Is that is that too much of a of an accolade for him? No, I don't think so. I mean, next Craig Bellamy, next Bennett, all those sorts of things, they're, they're big statements because of what those fellas have achieved. It's just like saying the next Billy Slater as players, I suppose. But look, he, everything you see with Billy Slater, it's attention to detail. And you see him doing little passing drills, which you may see with a, a six-year-old or eight-year-old, but Billy's doing it with Caelan Ponga. You know, he realises that every little, you know, microsecond is so important in the game. So he's going to leave nothing to chance. And, and for me, boys, a really good um, a really good uh, identification, I suppose, of a good coach is who was somebody before you got their hands on them. So if you look at Bellamy and you look at Robinson and, and people go, oh, yeah, the salary cap and all that sort of stuff. But but even that team who broke the salary cap for Melbourne, you know, who was Billy Slater before Bellamy got him? Who was Cameron Smith before Bellamy got him? Uh, Dustin Johnson. You know, all, all these people... Dallas Johnson, rather, they were nobodies, you know. And and where I'm going to here is that 
on the origin stage, Ruben Cotter was an absolute nobody, mm. untried, untested. And the game he had in Origin 1 says to me that, you know, it's clearly Billy Schrader has said all the right things to him to get him up and about. Um, and now he's tested with the likes of Murray Kalungi, you know, like coming into the squad. So early days for Billy Schrader, but he put it this way. If he was on the open market, with all those coaches available, you know, the Serraldos and whatever else, I'm taking Billy Slater after one Origin game. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> yeah. right. That's why I've said come to the Warriors and, and go out, <laughs> go after him hard. Mate, just on that, yeah. uh, young Cotter, okay? So he's coming to the side, and you've seen how he played for the Cowboys and just gives you that 100% effort week in, week out. I, I actually think that's probably where New South Wales get him on just that one replacement. I think putting Tino on the back of the scrum, moving Collins up to the front and your rotations on the bench become a lot um, more decisive in and around how Billy's going to use them, whereas Cotter gives you that 80 minutes. Is that an issue for uh, the Queensland side in, a, in and around the middle of the park? Oh, of course so. He was, he was massive. and I mean, even if he plays Cotter, he's got to replicate what he did in Origin 1, which is near and impossible. So, look, I, I think that's a, another major factor which, again, skews the way of New South Wales. Um, it, it's fascinating how this plays out. And then the other thing, too, boys, which if I was picking the Queensland team in the first game, I, I believe that at representative level, there's hard to be a better winger than what Valentine Holmes gives you. So when Coates went down, Xavier Coates, he was forced to the wing and they started to come over the top of us, uh, Queensland, with Valentine on the wing, those big carries out of the back half. So, I actually think that him going back to the centres, they lose something. So there's a number of reasons why I think New South Wales can go over there fairly confident. And I actually said to Freddie, I said, look, sometimes, and I say this all the time now, show, but sometimes the best gifts come badly wrapped. So say, for example, that you get away with Origin 1. You get away with it by a point, and there's not these mass changes. And then you lose game two and you lose game three. The fact you didn't get away with it in game one, maybe you had it wrong. And maybe the changes for this gets you up in game two and gets you up in game three. So, I, you know, sometimes those little losses can be good for your life. And, um, yeah, I just just got a feeling, boys. I, I, I think they're sounding fairly confident as well. But as you know, at Origin, like it's dead set, but one referee's call or it's one bounce of the ball or one send-off or one penalty or it's one missed goal. It's That's what it just comes down to all the time. Yeah, it's really, really tight. Hey, we've got another big game on this weekend, the International between the Kiwis and Tonga being played over here at Mount Smart. Some some big names. I've had a look at this Kiwi side, mate. I've said it's the be- best Kiwi side we've picked in a decade. Your thoughts? 100%. I, I, I actually think that, um, you know, Australia has been fairly dominant for a while in the main over a long period. New Zealand are coming now, and I totally agree that this is the team. And you know what? It's probably unfortunate for Tonga because the Tonga side's a cracking side. But they just run into this, in my opinion, a white-hot New Zealand team. Like It just looks like a very hot side. Who, um, they should get it done. And, and where I think the game can be decided there or will be decided, the Tongan side on paper is outstanding across the board. I just worry about the field position. I think New Zealand with a kicking game, um, you know, there with Jerome Hughes and the like. I don't know if the Tongan side in the halves is fine have that same kicking game. And that's the only concern I have. But boys, I'd like to ask you the question. You know, I'm very excited about this game. How, how big is this game going to be? Well, it'll be big over here. I've been to the last two games here in New Zealand where Tonga have played 
and mate, it's a home game for Tonga. There's yep. you, you, you'll see your sprinkling yeah. of black jerseys in the crowd. There's already out in South Auckland. The flags are out. Hey, you know, Joel, the music's they, playing. They, it's they, massive. They played a World Cup game down in Hamilton, and they na- renamed the place Hamiltonga. Oh, really? So, so, but is this what like Origin? How it was born and the way it went. Is this set in stone now? You pick this fixture. You believe you believe that we get sure. such a big occasion again out of it that it's just set in stone in the calendar. Well, three years ago when the game first kicked off, I mentioned that that it should be our our answer to a Origin concept. It doesn't have to be Origin. It, it, no. it just had the the Pacific feel that we could fill a stadium like Eden Park and play this game. I think the national body in this country has missed the missed the boat. But just my final question before you go go, Joel. I, what, about the international game, if you have a look across the board this weekend through the Cook Islands, Samoa, Tonga, New Zealand, Nui, and then, of course, you've got um, a lot of other international games happening in, the, in and amongst it. What do you think we can do so that internationals become the pinnacle for a lot of these players that can't play Origin? Mm, uh, well, I don't really know the answer to that. I, I really don't. I, I... The scheduling of the NRL itself has an issue. Um, it's probably, to be honest with you, I think this is the best we've ever been, the best place we've ever been having this particular weekend. So um, what we're doing, I suppose, helps. But um, it, I'm such a, I'm so excited. It's a great weekend coming up. So many good teams. I probably would have liked to have seen Samoa take on Fiji. I reckon that might have been a better fixture with Papua New Guinea taking on the Cook Islands, perhaps. But um, yeah, I, I don't really know the answer to that, boys. I just... I just feel like, personally, going into a World Cup, I feel as though the game is as best placed as it's ever been going into a World Cup because of the strength of New Zealand, because of the strength of Tonga and the likes. And Yeah, that, that's my personal view, but what do you boys think? I think it's it's up for grabs. I think the World Cup is definitely up for grabs. It's got to be one of the hot, um, hotly contested World Cups I've ever seen. So, mate, just really... Um, Enjoy that conversation, mate, about New South Wales. I know you bleed blue, Joel. I know, you know, most of our Queensland whanau <laughs> over here don't want that to happen on Sunday no. when they play. But how's uh, big? How's big Fletch going, mate? What's how big? How's big Fletch going? Is he under control? He's going all right. I'll tell him. I'll tell him you said hi, Louis. Yeah, um, yeah, very fun with the bears head. What about the Spud? Yeah. What about Spud? Is he still? Is he still using a bottle of cologne weekly? Old Spud. <laughs> yeah, daily, absolutely daily. The boys, oh. New South Wales to win. Uh, Isaiah Yo, who was criticised for game one, he gets man of the match on the back of that big forest. Yeah, him and Cleary have their best games in origin, and I think New South Wales win by 12. I'm, I'm very, very excited about it, boys. And uh, of course, like like uh, most of the rep games, we've got it on SEN, so looking forward to the calls. There you go. You've got the bet. Put your money on Isaiah Yell to get MVP. And Uppy Curacao, I say, scores a try out of dummy half. I'll take both of those in a multi. Hey, Joel, thanks a lot for joining us this morning on SENZ. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Love it, brother. Around the grounds with Rainbird, the intelligent use of water. Michael Francis in Rotorua. Congratulations, bro. You're going along to the Māori All Blacks game. If you missed our chat with Rua Tapoki yesterday, ah, so cool hearing him talk about the haka when he was playing for Munster. Made of yours, Kempi, and I'd encourage everybody to go to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast and have a listen to that. It was cool catching up with Rua, wasn't it? It was awesome. Yeah, he's still coaching, and I'll tell you what, if you see him, he could, he, you'd swear he's still playing. Like, fit as a fiddle. Absolutely. Terrifying midfielder. So skillful.
Tonight, 9pm, well, from 9pm on SCNZ, Kempe. Black Caps versus England, third test, Headingley, West Yorkshire. It's going to be a cracker. Now, Ben Stokes is battling a chest cough. He's a bit unwell. They've won the series. There's more to play for for the Black Caps. I think the Black Caps World Test Championship defence is on life support, if we're being brutally honest. Neil Wagner has to play for me. Yeah, I saw that, but um, people are saying they've got to put Wagner in. Yeah. Do you have a feeling? An intuition? I have the Bears feeling. Like, do you think Bears are going to treat it like a dead rubber? No. No. So, you know, he'll get them up. I, I reckon I reckon that's why it's going to be a thriller. I reckon we've got another test match on our hands. It'll be great watching. I'm going to go the Black Caps because I just this team is so good. I refuse to believe that it's over for us. But if they can't... If they score runs and they can't get a result here, we'll be asking some serious questions. Kane Williamson's back for the Black Caps, though. Hopefully Neil Wagner plays. It'll be interesting to see the construct of the team otherwise there. Hey, uh, I've got no idea about this, Kempi, so you just tell me what name sounds the coolest. Today at 12pm, Stanley Cup final, Game 4, Colorado Avalanche at Tampa Bay Lightning. Colorado lead 2-1, and the winner is... Oh, Colorado. Nice. I've been up to Colorado. Hard to breathe? Uh, no, it's not too bad. It's pretty cold. Um, a, not a really nice spot. It's sort of like, where would you... It's sort of like Queenstown. Yeah, it's the mountains. Yeah, yeah and lots of um, like when you're walking around, lots of people and lots of clothes, and lots. and a quite a quite a quite a cool spot actually. They reckon a lot. See, it's good information because they reckon that Denver is one of the hottest markets in the American property ladder. Yep. People moving out from the, the big exactly cities. Right. Been there too, and it is mate. Cool and spot. I talked to a number of people. I got a haircut there. Talked to the, the hairdressers and. Uh, she said they, they, that the city can't keep up with the influx of people. That's right, because it's small and it's kind of capped, and that's the allure. So property prices, choo, the opposite of cooling like the weather there. See what it did there? Tomorrow, NBA draft, Barclays Centre, Brooklyn. You're uh, tomorrow at about, <laughs> I think it'll be about midday-ish. It usually kicks off from. I'll run you through a couple of the uh, high lottery picks you're expecting. Jabari Smith. From Auburn, Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, Paolo Benchero, Jalen Ivey, Benedict Mathurin, Dyson Daniels. These are all names you can expect to hear in the NBA for a long time to come. Uh, of course, we've got the young Breakers players over there, so good luck to them. And it's awesome for the Breakers when they get picked up. Now, the MLR Championship, which is the Major League Rugby in, Austra- uh, in America, Kempe, the final is tomorrow at 4 a.m., New York playing the Seattle Seawolves, the Red Bull Arena in New Jersey. New York's got Andy Alice, Waisaki Naholo, and Nihem Milnaskada. Oh, you got what? Are, they got to be favourites with those three players playing it. It almost doesn't feel fair. It doesn't with, without knowing who's in the Seattle side. No, mate. Imagine, imagine being over there with Saki Naholo runs out, mate. Like, honestly, the Americans are like. Where did that guy come from? It's also unfair that they have to play Andy Ellis, who's just would just chirp oh, the whole he? game. I'm sure we're related, actually. I must ask him that. Are oh, you a great Cantabrian too? Um, well, my my name is Ellis, my surname. My Fangide name is Kemp. Huh. Mm. Interesting. So it is. Well, there you go. You might be related to Andy somewhere out down the line, Kempy. Uh, all right, these are the main events for you tomorrow. The day after tomorrow is Saturday, 
25th, June. 310 Kiwi Ferns Tonga Woman kickoff, and the winner is. Kiwi Ferns. Just too good. The meat and the sandwich at 5.20. The Kiwis with the spine that we just cannot get enough of. and um, The middle. The middle that they got. The edge players that they got. Mate, if they don't put it, if they don't put points on Tonga, it's going to be the biggest letdown ever. Seriously. I'm, I'm expecting 20 plus. You, so you give us a, so you reckon 20 to 30 odd? I reckon I reckon 20 plus points that they'll put, put on Tonga. I think they'll get them late. Who's your MVP? Uh, Joey Manu. Running for 800 metres. <laughs> Three tries. Get on them. <laughs> <laughs> Can we same game multi that? What not odds they give us? Uh, Samoa Cook Islands? Uh, Samoa win that. Uh, look, Samoa should have been playing Fiji. That's the better game. Uh, Cook Islands. Kevin Edel's got two sons playing in that. KL's playing at fullback. Wow. And Andre's playing at front row. So, um, yeah, Cook Islands got a lot of players out of the Queensland comp, whereas Samoa got NRL players stacked. Papua New Guinea versus Fiji is Wednesday the 29th. So next Wednesday when the Māori All Blacks play, what do you reckon about that? Well, Papua New Guinea are uh, chasing an NRL licence. Yeah, you know, they it's are. It's their national sport. Mm. Um, and they'll show up. Man, I've, like I've always said to you, I've never played tougher blokes in my life. Mm. Uh, but Fiji are just entertainers. Yeah, you got Kikau, um, Revoala from Parramatta. Um, they just got... Oh, speed to burn and entertainment galore. That is huge. Yeah, I would have liked them seeing them play somewhere. Yeah, you're loud and clear. Last one, let's finish up here, Kempi. State of Origin 2, Optus yep. Stadium, Perth, at 9.50 kickoff. Well, yeah, 10, let's call it half 10. Um, what do you reckon? Can we, we spoke to Joel. I know you've you've got a huge man crush on Billy Slater and what he's been able to do as a man manager. Can you see the Blues lifting and responding? Well, I think they will. I, 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 they've got no choice but to. But I think the neutral ground taking the game to Perth. Uh, yeah, if it was it New South Wales? I'd give New South, South Wales the win. But I think the neutral ground, they haven't changed a hell of a lot, Queens, uh, Queensland. So they'll gain a lot from that, as you know. You get a bit, a bit of momentum. You get a bit of combinations going and stuff like that. Whereas they've made wholesale changes. And what Freddie, who is from Penrith, is relying on is the Penrith juggernaut. So Matt Burton going into that centre with Tor. If you remember, they never scored many tries there when he was there. Took him to a grand final. That's their edge. But moving up your carousel to hooker to try and get Nathan Fien and Luai back into the game is his big, that's his, that's his big ticket. So it doesn't fire. They don't win. And you like up his carousel for a try scorer? Uh, I think the tries will be scored through the middle. I, you know, that's New South Wales' strength. They go through the middle. They have, they have Tedesco bouncing around everywhere and get down through you know, Isaiah Yell down that middle of the middle of the pitch. So yeah, I think he's a, I think he's a fair chance. Love it. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.